What's up, Buttercups? Welcome to episode 27 of Taco Court Fantasy Football League podcast. In this episode, we got a week eight recap, a little bit of standings update, week nine preview, some intros to some of the bets that are betting for week nine of the NFL season. And we brought back Banger of the Week. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Hope you guys enjoy. Take care. Love you. Bye. the fuck up there's nothing worse than you people yes you people the ones who don't respond to trade requests if you don't dig the damn request just fucking decline it if you don't know that you're receiving these requests turn your fucking notifications on assholes i literally can't count how many times i've sent out trade requests this season in this league and like three other leagues and their quests just sit there and expire. If you don't like it, decline it. Because right now, you guys are the nut fucking low of all of society, let alone fantasy football. You guys can go fuck yourselves. This is Nate, episode 27 of Taco Court Fantasy Football League podcast. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Naderade530. Let's get into a week eight recap. In matchup number one, we had Password is Taco traveling to Tony Patriot. The first place, Password is Taco versus the last place, Tony Patriot. And some things just never change. Clint dropped 132 on this guy while Tony Patriot came to the fight. 68. It's almost like it's election season. Having the name Patriot at the end. Jesus. 37 points out of the Seattle quarterback. 26 out of Tyreek Hill. 15 out of Diggs, top three performers for Password is Taco, while Tony Patriot got a whopping 22 out of the Cincy quarterback, and his next best player was Slayton as a wide receiver for the Giants. Ten and a half points. Things just never change. Eskimo Brothers went to I Shave My Balls for this. This has to be the nut low for I Shave My Balls for this. They literally lost to the worst human to ever play fantasy football in the Eskimo Brothers. The worst. And got Molly Watt by over 50 points, 138 to 86. Key performances out of Travis Kelsey, 26. Alvin Kamara, 25. And Curtis Samuel, 21. Wow, I shaved my balls for this. Got 21 out of Keenan Allen, 21 out of the Tennessee quarterback, and 13 out of, of Jalen Rieger. Scroat Squad went to the Pocket Dogs, handed the number two team in the league, Pocket Dogs, another loss. 138 to 92. Upsets everywhere this week. Upsets everywhere this week. And the only thing we could talk about in this one is Dalvin Cook for the Scroat Squad. 52 points, four touchdowns in one game. Allen Robinson gave him 20, Tyler Boyd 19, while Naheem Hines gave the Pocket Dogs 21, Travis Fulgham 19, and the Carolina quarterback 14. Murder Boners went to Chad's team. 
Both of these teams are dog shit. And Chad's team beat the Murder Boners, 124 to 117. Bob Woods for the Murder Boners, 28 points, 23 out of Brandon Ayuk, 14 out of Eric Ebron. Never good when your quarterback is not in your top three as you're looking for some of those solid points out of the quarterback. So if your quarterback scores under 14, that sucks. Chad's team got a good quarterback. Patty Mahomes, sorry. Sorry, Patty's mom. Patrick's mom. Patrick Mahomes, 49 points, basically offset everything else he did with Wayne Gallman being and Chase Claypool being his second and third at 13 points apiece. Three Penis Wine went to Baby Ruth. Three Penis Wine, our reigning champion in Taco Court Fantasy Football League, took home this victory 167 to 124. Got 43 out of DK Metcalf, 22 out of Julio, 19 out of Derrick Henry. Wow, Baby Ruth got 24 out of Cooper Cup, 22 out of Gio Bernard, 21 out of Mike Williams. Again, the quarterback's not even up there on both of those teams, but you like to see that your quarterback can put up points, but at least comparable. Anyways, marquee matchup of the week. I don't even know if I want to talk about it. It sucks. Bringing her strokes. We went to too hot to handle. Stepped in their backyard. Stepped in their backyard. Both teams four and three at the time going in, battling for playoff position. Too hot to handle. Takes it down 129 to 88. He got 30 out of Devontae Adams, 28 out of the Green Bay quarterback, 17 out of Justin Jackson. While I rode with Cole Hardman, 22 points. And then it just drops off. It just drops off. Raiders quarterback, 14 points. They wanted to run the ball all day. Juju. Juju might be the biggest bust in fantasy football that's been active the entire time. For what you're looking at a Juju, and I should have known better. I said it on 58 West King podcast owned by Tony Patriot in the league that he runs. Find that on all podcast platforms or wherever you're listening to this. That you want the number two. Why'd I drop the number one? Standings update. We still got Password is Taco in first place at seven and one. Second through fifth, we have a tie, five and three. Pocket dogs, three penis wine, two out to handle. I shave my balls for this, respectively. Alone in sixth place is the Vinegar Strokes sitting at four and four with the Scroat Squad, Murder Boners, Eskimo Brothers, Chad's team, and Baby Ruth at three and five, handling seven through 11. And of course, Tony Patriot, two and six, last place. And now for a word from our sponsors. With it being election season in the greatest nation on planet Earth, week nine preview picks will be done as teams battling off in an election who will come out on top. Matchup number one, Tony Patriot and the Eskimo Brothers. Tony Patriot. Now he's changed his name to include Patriot at the end, which will end up giving him the deplorable vote. We all know that. That's why he did it. He's pandering, right? This is what he does. This is what they do, right? But also, he has an immigrant last name, so he's going to gain like 130,000 uncontested votes in a row that the Eskimo brothers won't get one individual one that'll go with his left-leaning yet moderate views, right? Now, the Eskimo brothers, he's going to be on the campaign trail, but all this guy talks about is fucking Jeeps. So he'll end up with roughly about 25,692 votes because he'll only campaign at Mopar lots. Give me Tony Patriot to take down the victory. Elected by the people, basically me. Next matchup, Too Hot to Handle and the Scroat Squad. Now, Too Hot to Handle, he's going to run his entire campaign shirtless, and he's going to be fully endorsed by his doppelganger, Burt Kreischer. And then by doing that, you know, Joe Rogan's going to find out about it. So Joe Rogan's going to get him on the podcast. And he's stuck in that little bubble, like the tube of destiny. I don't know what it is. It looks like it's from one of those uh, crazy movies where they travel through the core of the earth or something like that. But he's going to gain the love for the public for being in touch with the people, right? Like he's going to have his shirt off. Everything's going to be straight. Uh, everybody's going to think he's comedic. And Joe Rogan's going to like him. <laughs> 
Now the Scrode Squad. With as much as America cares about the perception of the President of the United States, for example, whether or not they are deemed as honest or trustworthy, the Scrode Squad is going to end up with negative votes in this election as they have not completed their sacco punishment from last year, finishing last in Taco Court Fantasy Football League, which was to have their belly button pierced. The people voted on it. Three Penis Wine gave us four options. The league voted to pierce the belly button back in the summer when that episode dropped on the day it dropped the scroll squad in text message said oh shit a belly button ring and then he said after that whatever i'll do whatever whatever it is because i'm not afraid of those things and i ain't no bitch it's week nine in the nfl season belly button not pierced the american people cannot and will not elect someone who is full of empty promises and integrity too hot to handle wins the election and week nine i shaved my balls for this and the murder boners now i shaved my balls for this you have to think how far can good looks go although they're subjective especially this team's look. But we're going to find out. We have plenty of press coaching youth football and control at least Texas and Oklahoma for the Electoral College, right? Other than that, he'll be looking to sway the hearts of 63-year-olds who are smoking, sitting in their moo-moos and feather boas and are female. Chances not looking good. Now, the murder boners. This guy's raised in Arizona, a Mexican, and a true American hero. Tons of deployments. The guy deployed for me so I could witness my first daughter being born. That's a story that is going to win over the hearts of the American people. The murder boners will also earn each and every Latino vote in this race by solely speaking to the values of the immigrant culture, hard work, and creating a life to be proud of in this fine nation. This will also gain him the white vote because white people are so easily swayed by saying, I told you so, fucking Brenda. His no-nonsense approach to the race will leave him being elected in the landslide. Give me the murder boners this week. Pocket dogs and three penis wine. Pocket dogs. They're going to lean heavy on their being a military vet and a blue-collar American. That may be all he's got going for him. May also earn the LBGTQXYZ vote by finally coming out for his love for Password is Taco while on the debate stage, leaving three penis wine a little bit speechless. Three penis wine. He's what everybody will want in a candidate. You know, it's kind of soft-spoken a little bit. You know, just an overall nice guy. His demeanor will carry him to the popular vote. He'll win Ohio by talking so highly of Carson Palmer and Ocho Cinco. He'll be endorsed by Ocho Cinco, gaining him the entire FIFA community and all the ultra-thick Latin chicks. Give me three penis wine to take this one down. Baby Ruth and Chad's team. Baby Ruth, as a Navy veteran, he'll also gain all the LGBTQXYZ vote. He's half Japanese, so he'll earn all of Hawaii, probably all the Asian vote within California. And with his life experience in cutting fine meats, he'll also earn that knife community. But is that going to be enough? Now, Chad's team, he's going to drink a lot of beer on the debate stage and say a bunch of random things about trucks, guns, being a cop, being endorsed by Conor McGregor, and the rallies are just going to be full-on parties. Now, he's going to be labeled as the respected beer-chugging champion of this race, so he'll also gain the young vote in this election. Give me Chad's team to take it down. In the marquee matchup of the week, Password is Taco and the Vinegar Strokes. Password is Taco. They'll have a strong early lead in the race. They'll be the favorite in every state. The campaign trail will travel really well, but we all know his demise will be when it comes on the grand stage facing an underdog opponent. Not a Notre Dame reference, but yeah, pretty much a Notre Dame reference. The confidence will end up being his downfall, and it is nearly every single year. The Vinegar Strokes, also a Notre Dame supporter, and hated by many who use the label Notre Dame supporter as a way to scarlet letter every human. The Vinegar Strokes will be a heavy underdog. However, as recent history within the last five years have shown us being an underdog and having a strong push near the end using logic, and the strength of their opponent against them, the Vinegar Strokes will prevail as Password is Taco will once again falter to someone they shouldn't. It happens every time. Getting into the Week 9 bets. 
for the NFL season in 2020. These are the things that I've already bet, and it's probably going to be all that I bet. I probably won't mess with anything else the rest of the time this week. Seattle and Buffalo, I took the over 55 and a half at minus 110. I just don't know how Seattle doesn't push a game all the way up there. Their defense is terrible, and every single game has gone over for them minus one. And all of those games have gone over 55 and a half. The Bills can put up points. Seattle can't stop anybody, and no one's stopping Russell Wilson. Over 55 and a half at minus 110. Also took the Broncos plus four at minus 110 against Atlanta. I actually think that Denver wins this game outright. They are going on the road, but I don't think Atlanta is good at all. They're without Calvin Ridley, I believe, this week. Also, who is Matt Ryan's dude? Jerry Judy is coming back, and we'll get into that a little bit later, but it's going... Atlanta just doesn't cover four points. They don't beat anybody by four at all. Anyways, next bet, Arizona Cardinals minus four and a half, minus one at minus 110. They're going against Tua, and he couldn't move the ball last week. I also took the under 49 and a half here at minus 110. Miami's got a solid defense. Like, their coach is fucking dope. I don't know. What's his first name? I don't know, but it's Flores, right? But their defense is solid. It's what won them the game last week when and they couldn't move the ball at all. And I just don't think they move it like they do with Fitzpatrick. But give me Arizona at minus four and a half. Baltimore Ravens. This is, I believe, at plus one right now. But I got them at Pickham. And I got them at, oh no, they're minus one right now. So they're favorite by one point against Indianapolis. I got this at pick minus 110. And I also bet it at plus one minus 110. They moved from a three-point favorite to being a one-point underdog in a matter of a day and a half. And now it's moving back the other way. Majority of their defense was in the COVID close proximity protocol like seven other players like all their middle linebackers and defensive back their whole back seven but they're all supposed to play minus marlon humphreys this week uh maybe jimmy smith too i think but i don't think that's a big deal for a team going against Philip Rivers. That's the one thing we have to remember here. Like Philip Rivers in a pick'em game, never bet Philip Rivers. If there's anything we've learned over our entire lifespan of watching Philip Rivers play football, don't bet Philip Rivers when it's a pick'em or it's supposed to be close. It's not gonna happen. Pittsburgh didn't move the ball against Baltimore last week and they had short fields all day. Whose offense is better? Colts. They're going to be without T.Y. Hilton as well. They get uh, Michael Pittman Jr. back this week, I believe, but they just suck. They're not good. The Ravens ran all over the Steelers last week for over 200 yards. People don't run on the Steelers like that. I get Ronnie Stanley's out, but I also don't see that as being a big problem for a team that wants to run the ball and has built that culture within the organization, so their people that are filling in are run mashers as well. If they're a passing team, maybe they go the other way. I don't know. I'd probably just stay away, but this is going to be a route. Baltimore's going to smash these two. They shouldn't have lost last week. Lamar Jackson threw like four picks or had four turnovers and gave Pittsburgh short field. They dominated time of possession. They did everything they were supposed to do except they turned the ball over. I don't think they need to pass against these guys. Next bet, Houston Texans minus seven at minus 115 against Jacksonville. The Texans are coming off a bye against a rookie quarterback getting his first start on a poor team. His name is Jake Lutton or Luton or whatever it is. The dude can sling it, but this is also Jacksonville we're talking about against Houston. They're going to be able to run the ball. Houston is. They're going to be able to pass the ball. They're going to be able to do whatever they want. They've been planning for two weeks on how to exploit this and figure out things on their offense. Houston's defense sucks too, but it's Jacksonville. All right. This one I don't really like, but I bet it anyways. But Pittsburgh is 14 and a half point favorite against the Dallas Cowboys. Now I bought half a point for a dime to push it from minus 110 to 120. So I bet 
minus 14. So it's bird to cover by 14 points at minus 120. I just don't see how Dallas scores here. They're on like their 57,394th string quarterback, possibly not going to have Zeke in this game as well. Not like it really matters too much, but the Steelers do tend to play down to their opponents. But I also think that Dallas's defense is so damn bad that it's hard not to score 28 points on them. This will probably be the game I'm trying to look in at as much or the this will probably be the game that I'm going to like be watching to end game out of it quick, just in case. And I think that we'll be able to see very quickly whether or not Pittsburgh is going to play down to them or they're just going to dominate. But I can see mistakes being done by a quarterback, pick sixes, whatever like that. I just don't know how Dallas scores points against this defense. Maybe if they could run the ball like Baltimore, but they can't. They can't block. Next game, Patriots and Jets. Now, Sam Darnold's not expected to play in this game. Is he re reaggravated a throwing shoulder injury? New England sitting at minus nine and a half. And I just think that's too fucking low for a team that's playing against Joe Flacco in the Jets against New England's defense. I also took under 41 here. I don't really like it too much, but I took it because I just don't know how the Jets score points against the Patriots. I just, how are the Jets going to score points? The Patriots don't have to pass the ball. They can just run all day. They'll pass it, but I think they're going to be able to do whatever they want on offense in nine and a half, like less than two scores against the Jets. I don't, Joe Flacco don't know how to score points. I also took the Patriots minus six at minus one and 105 for the first half. So the Patriots six point favorite at halftime against the Jets in the first half on Monday night in a game where New England's probably gonna try to make a little bit of a statement and be like, hey, we're still kind of good. I get New England has trouble moving the ball as well, but this is the fucking Jets. Like the Dillon Panthers can put up 24 points against these clowns. I did a two team teaser and this I did at Baltimore when they were a pick. So if you get them at minus one, it's probably not too good, but a value, but probably. Anyways, because you're going to get the six. You want to get the seven eventually, get to another key number, but you're crossing two key numbers there. So I did Baltimore at pick and Denver at seven and the Denver line as a seven point teaser. So I don't really like to do seven points. You want to do six because your line moves to like minus 140 when you do seven point teasers, but it got me from a pick to Baltimore at seven. Now they're a favorite by one. So it's technically like three numbers I'm going over from what the closing line is probably going to be. So going over the zero, going over the three and hitting on the seven. I think it, they went it out right anyway. So I don't think it matters. And it pushed Denver over 10 uh, to 11. So it ends up being Baltimore plus seven and Denver plus 11 at minus 140. I just took it. Prop bets. I basically bet everything Jerry Judy this week. Jerry Judy is playing the Falcons, who can't stop anybody. Their defense is getting a little bit better, but they still can't stop anybody. They're ultimate choke artists. And the cornerback that Jerry Judy is going against played for Clemson in the last time that they saw each other. I get times change, but Jerry Judy's playing for Alabama. This dude's playing for Clemson. Jerry Judy with the fucking world on fire with this dude. So I bet Jerry Judy over four receptions at minus 120. Over 52 and a half yards, minus 120. Jerry Judy to score, plus 215. I also parlayed a bunch of these props together. And um, I also did some alternate lines like yards over 70, yards over 100, and a couple other things. Kind of don't re recommend like all that kind of stuff. Just take what you can get with the lower props and move on. But I'm kind of like a maniac and I have a little bit extra shit to play, play with. So I'm fucking around with it because I believe in it. I believe in the play. None of these alternate lines. I did were more than like a third of a unit and the majority of them are sitting at a quarter unit of pop. So not too much. Anyways, do what you want to do with them. But I, that's not like my official things, like all those extra shits. Um, so there's that.
but that's betting shit that for the week that I'm doing. And now moving on to segment called banger of the week. So I put a thing out on my Facebook a little bit ago, probably a couple of days ago, maybe about a week ago. I don't know. But I was going to talk about a song by Tones and I called Bad Child and it's links to depression, which is something that I deal with and have dealt with for a long time. But given the current climate in the greatest nation on planet Earth right now, I didn't feel like it was something I really wanted to push this week. Anyways, this song speaks to the thought of gratitude. Gratitude is something I think that a lot of us struggle with at times with so much going on in our faces each day and with it being pushed to be deemed as our doomsday. I think it's a positive thing for us to take a step back and just look around us. As the majority of us listening to this podcast are American, we have a lot to be grateful for. We don't wake up in the morning looking up at the sky, wondering if a bomb's dropping. The extreme majority of us aren't going out to carry water back to our homes, wondering where our next meal will come from. And we pretty much have the freedom to speak whatever's on our mind to whoever and whenever we like without severe consequences like death. We can pick and choose what we want to be in life. We can make our own way and define our own term of success for ourselves. And if we live east of the Missouri, we can buy yingling at our local corner store. So just urge everybody to take this song in and just kind of really think about what it's talking about uh, this Sunday and take a look around you. Come up with a few things you're grateful for. Then do it on Monday. Then do it on Tuesday and so on. Feel free to shoot me a text or a DM with your findings. And I'll mention it on the next podcast. The song's a country song and a slower one at that. I know, don't really think of like, yo, we're about to slap some bangers and it's country. Oh, and it's a slow song, but it slaps. The song's called That's What I Love About Sunday by Craig Morgan. Love you, bye. Sunday best He's usually up to his chest In oil and grease There's the Martins walking in With that mean little freckle-faced kid Who broke a window last week Sweet Miss Betty likes to sing off-key In the pew behind me That's what I love about Sunday Sing along as the choir sways Every verse of amazing grace And then we shake the preacher's hand Go home into your blue jeans Have some chicken and some baked beans Pick a backyard football team Not do much of anything That's what I love about Sunday drive pick up the Sunday times grab a coffee cup it looks like Sally and Ron finally tied the knot well it's about time there's 35 cents off a ground round baby cut that coupon out it's what I love about Sunday catnapping on the Swing. You curled up next to me The smell of jasmine wakes us up we Take a walk down a back road Tackle by 
and a cane pole Carve our names in that white oak I steal our kids as the sun fades That's what I love about Sundays Oh yeah New believers getting baptized Mama's hands raised up high Good time.